Now, I put down four things to kind of work our way through. The first heading I put down is the gospel is not a human invention. Let's begin now at verse 11. This is where we, where we left off last time. He says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, as he has so clearly stated that uh, there is only one gospel, when he said, let, you know, if anyone preach another gospel, and then he, he makes this statement, which is not another, meaning that uh, they may claim a different gospel, but that's not a gospel. It's not the gospel. It doesn't save. And there's only one gospel. And we, we understand that. Uh, we live in a world that uh, likes to believe in a, a pluralism, a plurality of ways to God. But the fact of the matter is, there is only one way. And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. When he makes those statements, I am, those are very clear and um, dogmatic and, and statements that, you know, it, there's, a, there's a statement of deity in those verses. When Jesus said, I am the door, uh, that, there's a great significance to that statement. There's only one door that leads into heaven, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said, I am the way, uh, he didn't say, I am a way, but he said, I am the way. Meaning that there isn't another. And I know that's narrow-minded. Uh, a lot of people say narrow-minded, or some people would say dogmatic. But that's, that's just the way the Scriptures speak, because it's the, it's the truth. Now, the question comes then, uh, well, if Paul says, you know, this is the only gospel and none others are to be tolerated, where did this gospel come from? What are the origins of the gospel? You know, where did Paul, did Paul invent this? Because, you know, the Judaizers were saying that this is something new. Uh, Paul is telling you, but uh, he's forsaking uh, all of Moses and the law and these things. And, and so they were accusing Moses, or excuse me, accusing Paul of uh, bringing his own gospel. But Paul said, no, uh, this is not my invention. This is not my, uh, that I came up with all by myself. This gospel came not of me, it didn't come of man. I didn't learn it from, uh, you know, from some other teacher, as far as like, you know, some guru somewhere. Paul says, I received it by the revelation of God. The gospel did not, it wasn't man's invention. Man did not come up with it. But it came from God himself. And we, we talked about it in the first, our first study in this book, that Paul was an apostle, uh, that God had called him to be an apostle. We see in verse 1, uh, what, his uh, ministry as an apostle was not you know, commissioned by man, but by God. And God gave revelation to the apostles. And so their word was the word of God. Their word was authoritative. Their word was... It was Scripture, because God spoke through the apostles. It's, it's basically like today, 
I say that, you know, we may differ in certain preferences. You know, I might like hymns played on the piano and Cameron might like them on the organ. Uh, we, can, we can have opinions about that. But, but when it comes to uh, what we believe about salvation, what we believe about living for God, what we believe about doctrine, uh, those things are not from, from some man or some school or some seminary. Uh, we, we take those teachings from the Scripture. Because it's just like Paul said, I received this gospel not from man, I received it directly from God. Uh, and that was the authority. It wasn't Paul. I, I said that Paul was defending his apostleship. But you have to understand, it wasn't that he was defending himself. Or, you know, his position as far as like, you know, you need to listen to me because of who I am. He was just simply defending it because he needed them to, to believe and put confidence in his message. It's kind of like, if I can use myself as an example, uh, today, I don't defend myself when people might challenge or attack me, uh, which doesn't really happen that often, but it does happen some, has happened in the past. But, you know, it's not about what Tom Klein believes, what Castlegar Baptist Church believes. We're really only defending that this is a work we believe of God because we're following the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, and in that we have authority. We have an assurance. We have a confidence. Because this message that we preach today is not a message that uh, I came up with. It's not a message that I learned at seminary in some doctrinal, you know, some denominational school. Uh, this is the message of God that God has clearly passed down, handed down to us through the Scripture. And therefore, we can stand with confidence, we can stand with boldness, we can stand with, uh, you know, the authority of God and say to people that if you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you turn from yourself and from sin and put faith and your trust only in Christ. Not any work that you can do. Not any religious activity that you can do. And even when I say turn, I just simply mean in your heart. You don't have to try to clean up your life. You just, in your heart, recognize that you're a sinner lost and on your way to hell and turn to the Lord. And believe upon Him. And I can give you an assurance based on the Scripture that everyone who genuinely does that is saved. Because that's what the Bible says. When they asked Paul, what, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And he said that on the authority of God's Word, the Gospel. And we can do the same today. And so yes, we can be dogmatic in that sense. We can be... Uh, we can be confident in this message. Now, when we say that the, the gospel is not the invention of man, I think that should be clear because if man was coming up with a message of good news to, you know, to man 
to give them hope, to give them some uh, assurance of, you know, a better future and all of that. Uh, man has done that. The word gospel means good news, right? And man has their good news, but their good news is basically, uh, you know, you're a good person. Uh, people are generally good. And, you know, the only problem is we are, we suffer under systems, we, you know, of, of man, or we suffer under uh, oppression of this or that, an environment or, you know, a, a society or, or these kind of things. But, but, you know, if we work together, we can overcome those things. We can, we can defeat those things. And, and you know, we, we're good at heart. That's, that's the good news man preaches. But that's not the message of the, of the gospel. It's quite different. The gospel message says we are all condemned sinners. We are separated from God. We are uh, justly condemned, hell-deserving, hell-bound sinners. And nothing we could do in and of ourselves could ever uh, remedy that. Right? That's the message of the gospel. And that's not, that's not a human uh, philosophy that you know, any man can't, would come up with. No man wanting to come up with some gospel would start there. They don't start with, you are dead spiritually, and there's nothing you can do about it. Only turn to the, to the Lord, and only Christ can save you. And so I'm saying that uh, it's, not a, it's not an invention of man because it has all the hallmarks of uh, things that are antithetical to man. But it is the truth. I mean, wouldn't, isn't that what you would do if you were wanting to start a, a church? You know, the church of, of uh, Tom Klein or the church of Dave McInnes or whatever? When you, when you, you know, try to make the, the message um, very complimentary toward man, that's, that's the way we usually would do, to draw more in, to uh, amass more followers. But the, the true gospel starts off with the bad news. And only when we receive the bad news do we, are we really in a position in which we can receive the good news. The bad news is we're sinners and we're, we're lost. The good news is Christ has come and He can save us. <laughs> and not only does it um, convict or condemn humans, the gospel converts heathens. Look at verse 13 and 14. Paul says, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, now there's religion. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. This is the way Paul was. Paul was a very, very zealous religionist uh, set in his... Uh, Jewish Old Testament religion. And, you know, he says he profited in it. Paul, 
Paul basically, he wasn't, he was a Pharisee, but he wasn't one of those hypocrite Pharisees. You know, there's, there were a lot of Pharisees that were simply hypocrites. They, uh, they preached one thing, but they didn't live it. They didn't really, you know, they, they just loved to put on the, the robe and walk around and have the accolades, but, <coughs> but their private life was uh, very ungodly. But we don't sense that that was the case with Paul. Paul was a real dedicated and an honest Pharisee in his religion. And very self-righteous. In other words, basically what I'm saying to you is Paul was not a good candidate for the gospel. You know, how did this man who uh, was so zealous and vehement in his persecution of, of Christ and his followers... And I say of Christ, obviously the Lord had been crucified and risen by the time Paul comes on the scene. But he was, you know, Jesus said, um, when he said, Lord, on the Damascus road, who art thou? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He was persecuting Christ. He was persecuting the Christians. He, He felt that this was a way worthy of death. This was a teaching that was blasphemy. This went against everything... Paul stood for. And yet, now we see what we read in the beginning, that this one who had persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. There was a complete turnaround. And the only thing I wanted to say about that is this. If, you know, what what authenticates the genuineness and the, the... reality of the fact that this gospel message is a salvation, true salvation uh, affecting gospel, is one, it didn't come from man, it came from God, and two, we see the result that someone so, so opposed, so anti-everything that the gospel is, yet when he came to Christ he transformed. It changed his life. Just you understand what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that just like uh, Paul, most of us were also, uh, you know, no one, no one would have looked at me when I was 17 and said that that young guy one day is going to be a pastor. That crossed nobody's mind except God's. Nobody looked at many of your lives and said, boy, I could sure see them uh, becoming a follower of Christ, a disciple of the Lord. Probably they looked at your life and thought, you know, if they were a Christian, they probably, some of you, they might have said, uh, well, you know, that, that one, uh, I don't see much hope. I don't see much uh, chance of them ever getting saved or them ever coming to church. How many of us have invited somebody to church or... Uh, you know, had a neighbor and we thought, boy, I would invite them, but I, I just don't really see any, any hope. But friends, the gospel takes lives and transforms them. And that's, that's the evidence of the reality of the message. What, it wasn't some, you know, that Paul just kind of met a Christian and 
dialogued with them long enough and thought, well, they're pretty nice people after all, and and maybe I'll give this thing a, a little more uh, thought or something. No, every Christian he found, he wanted to put them in jail. And he called them blasphemers, and he, he gave no time to it. But we see in verse 15, <coughs> But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by His grace, to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I said, first of all, that uh, the gospel is not a human invention. Secondly, salvation is a divine intervention. I always kind of smile as I remember Pastor Murphy. He used to tell a testimony that he heard somebody say. And it was just kind of unique the way the man said it. This man who had, um, I I don't know exactly what he he did for a living. I, I get the idea when Pastor told the story that he was kind of a rough character. But one day, the pastor asked him to get up and just share a testimony about his salvation. And he stood up and he said simply this before the church. He said, I was a sinner on my way to hell, but God interfered. (laughs) And you know, uh, that's the testimony of all of us, isn't it? God intervened. God stood in the way and and he called the gospel call and it tells us here you know Paul was making good time on the road to success in the Jewish religion but he was making good time in the wrong direction until the Lord arrested his attention stopped him on the road and said Paul you're going the wrong way and all that you're working for is as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 3 is is dung it's it's vanity it's meaningless it's all going to uh, perish and and so um what god had planned for paul paul was paul was never going to find had not god stepped in but it pleased god who separated who had a plan even from his mother's womb god didn't save paul because he knew paul was a great person paul was a persecutor a blasphemer he didn't save Paul because he was, uh, you know, going to do a great work. He, he, before he was even born, God had a plan for his life. And you know, the same is true of us. I didn't know at 17, I didn't know it, uh, at 22 what God would plan and do with my life. And I was heading in the wrong direction for sure. But God stepped in. And I'm so glad He did. And He put me on the path of which He had ordained for my life. <clears throat> Spurgeon, preaching from Isaiah 53, said this. He said, This very memorable chapter may be called God's own gospel sermon. From the very beginning, this chapter is a loving pleading with sinners. It's a lifting of the stumbling blocks, a clearing of the way of objections. Perhaps someone laments, Who am I that I should come to God? I am a poor, penniless sinner. The Lord forestalls that lament by saying, 
He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. If you have no merit, if you have no claims, still come. Free grace sounds its golden harp, and mercy sings these words, without money and without price. (coughs) You see, the gospel is the gospel of grace. The free call to all who will turn unto the Lord. So the gospel is no human invention. And salvation is a divine intervention. And then number three, the strength of Paul's ministry required no human convention. In verse 17 to 19, he tells us here that, well, verse 16, God was going to reveal His Son in me and that I might preach Him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Paul's just basically again saying, look, I didn't get this gospel from man I didn't go to the, you know, the denominational seminary. I didn't go up to Jerusalem and learn it from Peter. I went out into the Arabian desert. And God taught me. You see, Paul knew the facts of the gospel before. He knew what the, the teachings of Christ were. But, but it finally came where God illuminated those truths in his heart. It wasn't that he was ignorant of them. You know, you remember that Paul uh, was there when, uh, as Saul of Tarsus, he was there when Stephen preached and when Stephen was stoned and Paul kept the garments of those that threw the rocks. I believe Paul was very familiar with the facts of the gospel, but he rejected them. He he, uh, dismissed them until God opened his understanding, God showed his heart the truth of them. And then he went out into the desert, and there God uh, further cemented those things and clarified those things. And Paul probably read his Old Testament through new eyes. And that's what the Lord does for you and I. Some of you, you know all the facts of the Gospel. You could quote them, you could recite them to others, but you haven't yet really come to understand them in your own heart. And I pray that God would open your eyes to see that these words are words of salvation. They're words of truth. They change lives. And so Paul didn't need to go... uh, There's nothing wrong with going to, you know, seminary or... Bible college or those type of things. Uh, there's, you know, churches we still ordain and lay hands on. And, and Paul was later uh, separated at the church at Antioch, you know, and God laid, uh, you know, the, the men, I should say, laid, God had laid his hand on him. And then the, the men of the church laid their hands on him. There's nothing wrong with that, that uh, kind of formal, what do you want to call it, that sort of approval and acknowledgement 
from, from men. But first of all, it has to come from God. And, you know, I, I hate to keep using myself, but again, I, I stand here still after 20-some years today, not, not because um, Charity Baptist Church laid hands and sent me here. It was because God had put His hand on my heart in my life. They simply acknowledged that and, and uh, gave their stamp of approval, if you will. But it has to start, and, and Paul learned these things, like, like what I'm saying is this, uh, you know, I studied doctrine, and I learned these things, but it was really, some of them had to be after I, I got here, and I began to have to teach them to others, that those truths really took root. And it, it became where, I didn't learn it from Professor Brainine or uh, Dr. Forrester, I learned them from the Scriptures, and I learned them from God, as the Spirit of God taught my heart and the same I hope and pray is true of you you may hear me preach a certain thing and and you hear that and say okay I see it I kind of you know I understand it but until you go and really allow the Holy Spirit to uh, cement that thing or just really you know sometimes you say I knew that I knew that but now I get it right have you ever been there now I really see it and it becomes more uh, solid in your heart because now you see it is true and it's, it's really what God says and, and you can stand on it with all your weight. And so Paul's ministry, uh, this message, was not like his other ministry in the, as a Pharisee. He received from the tradition of his fathers. But this was God at work in his heart. So it required no human convention, not the conventional means. And, you know, some of the great men, we know the names D.L. Moody or Billy Sunday. And we have, you know, admiration for those names. A lot of the people that lived in the same generation didn't have the same respect. They thought these guys are uh, uneducated. You know, I remember the story of Billy Sunday. Uh, he was an old baseball player and a drunk who God saved and used in a wonderful way. But he didn't have a formal education. He didn't have a lot of uh, sophistication about him. He used very plain and, uh, you know, everyday language. And, and people just were dumbstruck as to why so many were getting saved, why so many were coming and listening to him. Because he didn't have the the vocabulary. He didn't have the the polish, he didn't have any of that that the trained seminarians had. But you know, those things are not essential. What's essential is the power and presence of God. And Billy Sunday had that. So we see that the Gospel's no human invention. We see salvation is a divine inter- intervention. Paul's ministry required no human convention and then last of all the work of God in a life demands attention we see in verse 20 that even though they uh, hadn't really seen Paul to by you know didn't recognize his face he didn't come from their schools he says now the things which I write unto you before God I lie not Afterward, I came into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, 
which is over toward his hometown of Tarsus, and was no, unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ before me. Uh, but they had heard only. They heard the testimony. And they glorified God. It's just like with uh, Billy Sunday or some of these other guys. People didn't understand how or why God used them. But they couldn't deny that He did. And some were mistrusting of Paul, you know, because he didn't go to their school. He didn't come from their church. But they finally, you know, they heard, they didn't see his face, but, but they couldn't deny the testimony of many, many Gentiles giving their life to Christ. That the hand of God was on him. And so they had to take notice, and they glorified God because of him. And I just wonder today, many of you, probably most of us, we don't have um, backgrounds that, you know, would commend us. We don't have uh, educations that, you know, lend credence to us. But if people just simply look at your life and they say, they're a different person today. God is obviously doing something in their heart. And they glorify God because of you. I always pray that that would be the case. That people could just simply look at us and, and not worry about, you know, where did their message come from? Where, you know, that's not the focus. The focus is, uh, it's... God's at work and their message is simple message of the Bible and it works and lives are affected and God is glorified I hope there's something in those thoughts this morning that could be a help to you an encouragement to you and if somebody that doesn't know Christ as your Savior Listen, the gospel message is not the message of the Baptist church. It's not the message of uh, any denomination. It's simply the truth that only Christ can forgive sins and give you eternal life. And so if you don't know the Lord as your Savior today, I would just implore you to look to the Lord, to receive this message and seek salvation, not through religion, not through what you can do, but only in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.